Shall we turn in our Bibles now to Psalm 86? It's more of a, a doctrinal sermon. Uh, the Belgian Confession, Article 1, deals with the issue of who God is, and it lists some characteristics of God, or, or we call them attributes of God. It doesn't deal with this one in particular, though the Westminster Divines added it to the list of things, characteristics, or attributes of God. Uh, our uh, confession was written by one man, and it was a remarkable achievement in its time. It was improved upon by the Westminster Divines, and they included this. So you can always read uh, chapter 2, paragraph 1 of the Westminster Confession. But our uh, confession deals with it in a general way under the heading of good. But we'll read Psalm 86, verses 11 through 15 first. Hear the words of God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with my heart, all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the proud have risen against me, and a mob of violent men have sought my life, and have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. And that's really the summary of it, because he highlights here, I have so much to do, Lord, and then I have the enemies coming against me. And so, Lord, remember you are the long-suffering or the patient one. And may our God bless his words to our hearts as we hear them proclaimed today. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, are we there yet? Ever heard that as a father? Probably many, many times, more than you want to remember. And you might have a little patience with them, but when the child asks that, maybe for the 15th time, are we there yet? You sort of run out of patience. Or maybe you're one of those who get on the highway and you think, why are these immigrant drivers driving so slowly in the left lane of the express on the 401? Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you're not, uh, I'm not as sanctified as you are, but that's what I think. <laughs> or you kind of get impatient with your spouse because She's not done in time and you have to go. Or he didn't stop doing that work in the garage that he said he was going to be done for and, and you're late for the party and you get impatient. Isn't that how it works? Or maybe you go in the uh, grocery store and about this time of the year it starts to get busy and then somebody in front of you start counting, well, you don't have pennies anymore, but nickels. And it's going so slowly and you want to take your credit card and say, look, I'll just pay for your thing. Please, let the line move. It's so easy to get impatient that way, isn't it? Well, your God is it's not that way at all. You see, the root of our impatience is selfishness. We want things to get done so we get our way. Not excusing all the people's faults, but it's an impatience because we want to get what we want done. <coughs> But God is not that way at all. You will hear today about your patient Heavenly Father under three headings. 
the doctrine of God's patience explained, the doctrines of God's patience illustrated, and the doctrine of God's patience applied. And our goals are that you will, that seeing how patient God is with you, that you will give him thanks for it. That's where it always starts, giving him thanks. Two, that you will learn patience. And three, that you will show patience so that the world might be drawn to him. The doctrine of God's patience explained. Now, without doubt, God is the most patient person who has ever and will ever exist. He is the epitome of being long-suffering or being patient. There are some people you can admire their patience, but none of it comes close to God. My father was that way. In a couple, a few days, it'll be 40-some years since, 41 years since he died. And I still remember how patient he was, and he had to be. He had to be with us, he had to be with my mother, and he was patient. But even for him, sometimes the patience ran out. Not so with God. How long-suffering is God? How patient is he? Well, God is, first of all, patient in your salvation. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the proper understanding of it. I know some people use this to say, Look, God doesn't want anyone to sin, and use this trying to reject the doctrine of election. But this was not speaking about that. This was saying how patient God is to make sure those who are elected will come in. God started to be patient with you even when you were his enemies. You continually rejected and rejected and rejected him. And he continually came after you again and again. He was patient because he desired to make you his child. He wanted to do what is good. He persevered when you heard the gospel. Maybe you heard it from many preachers before you came to surrender your life to him. God didn't stop. You know how easy it is to say that's enough. We've been sharing the gospel and praying for my in-law's salvation now. Even before we were married for about 35 years. We're starting to make a tiny bit of progress. I admire my wife's patience in doing that. And as a ministry, you think, that's, that's a long time. But God never stopped. That's why people come to Christ at the end of their lives. Because he perseveres. He's patient. He sends his Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. And you know, God had every reason to say, enough, go to hell. You deserve it. That's justice. But he exercised patience because he chose you. And you know, you might be patient with a sick child. You might do it all through the night. The mother especially will sit and hold the baby while the father is storing up a storm. The child, you know, the child needs you. So you hold the child and you take care of that child. But even after a while, it wears on mothers. Not so with our God. And so the Lord showed his patience in calling people to himself. But God also, secondly, shows patience in your sanctification. In your sanctification. 
God is patient with his children, even in the state of rebellion. If you read the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, the Lord talks about this fig tree that was planted in the vineyard. And it was supposed to be good there because they would run the, the grape vines on them and double the use of that tree. But it wasn't producing any fruit. And he said, what do you do? The Lord Jesus in that parable petitions the Father and says, let me dig around the root. Let me do what I need to do. Let me fertilize it. Let me smoke it so I can kill the worms that are eating the leaves. Let me do what, what needs to be done and give it some time. Give it another year so that it will produce. That's the kind of patience that God has. Even with those who are Christians so that they are not only saved but they are sanctified. And what makes this patience even more remarkable is that God didn't need to do it. He does not need anything from you. Recognize that. Sometimes we think God is desperate for us. And that's what you hear sometimes. The, the sense of modern preaching. But God doesn't need you. That's what makes this patience so remarkable. He does not need you. You know, people learn to be patient because they get something out of it. If you wait patiently for your husband, you'll get to go out and get to have some time away and relaxation. So there is a benefit to waiting. But what, do you, what does God get? What does God need? What do you add to God? You don't make God greater. You don't make God richer. And yet God in his love has patience with you. So how is God long-suffering? Well, you see him in his love for you and your salvation and your sanctification. Even though he did not need to be that way. There's one more aspect of this that's important. is that God's patience does not contradict his justice. Don't think that because God is patient, he wouldn't carry out his justice. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty. He does not wish away sins. He visits the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. So the sins of the parents can go to the children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And in fact, God's patience is tied to his justice. That's why the cross was necessary. So it can't be just a moralistic story and say, try to be patient. You'll get something out of it and God will be happy. No, you couldn't do this. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross to take God's justice so he could show you patience. But the issue then is how does God show patience today? <clears throat> how does God show patience today? It's through his people. Now we talked about uh, Nick and Sarah having this young little one to care for. You see a little bit of fuss already today. That's only the beginning of patience, right? That child will learn patience from them. Just like your children learn patience from you. They see you. You represent God. 
The congregation learns patience from the elders when they see the way they care for those who are living in sin and how they deal with that. You are the means by which God reveals his patience. Now there's that part that we can't see, that God waits upon the one for salvation, but God also uses his people. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 16 says this, However, for this reason I obtained mercy, the Apostle Paul speaking, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a a, pa a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. In other words, I had to work hard, and even with those who don't yet believe, I have to keep showing them the gospel. I have to keep living for Jesus because Jesus is working in me to show patience to the world. Now, let's talk about the doctrine of God's patience illustrated. We know what it is that God is there waiting for us in our salvation and sanctification. But how do we see this in scripture so we can get it richer? And God shows us many examples. I'll give you a few. God illustrated his patience for all mankind when he waited for more than 100 years for people in Noah's days to repent and return to his service. And Noah in particular was called to uh, take on this task of preaching the gospel. And it was a hard task. He did it for 120 years. And you know how many people repented during that time? Zero. I always wonder what happened after 106 years. Did he say, this is not working out? What made him go to that 111th year, not 112th year? Was God working patience through him? That's what made the difference. 1 Peter 3.20 says, Who formerly were disobedient to people when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah when the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. God was the one who was working uh, long-suffering or patience with those people while Noah was preaching. You see the integral part then that you play in this. Instead of destroying the earth, the Lord then graciously saved Noah and his family. But then another good example of God's patience illustrated for us was in the life of David. When God waited for him for over a year for his repentance of his sin with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah through the hand of the enemy and Joab. David referred to this later on in his life. He literally said God wrestled with him until he repented of his adultery and his murder. God never left him alone. Psalm 32 verse 3 says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. That was a good hand. That was a heavy hand of God upon him. You see... Patience is not just sitting down idly waiting. It was God working during this time of patience. 
My vitality, he said, was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgive the iniquity of my sin. How long was God's hand on him? A long time. And it was a heavy hand on him. It made him suffer. You can read the details in uh, Psalm 32 as well as in Psalm 38. The struggle he had in himself. He said, my body wasn't good. My friends left me. My world was turned upside down. I was part of God's patience. You know why? He deserved to be killed for what he did. David was a murderer. And God was gracious to him during that time. Then again, God illustrated his patience when he pleaded with Judah to repent so they would not be sent into Babylonian captivity. You saw this earlier with Israel in 722 BC with the Assyrians. But there's so many more cases of God pleading with Judah and being patient. Prophets like Zephaniah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Even Isaiah before spoke about this. And then after captivity, Nehemiah recounted this time. And he said in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 30. He says, yet for many years you had patience with them. And testified against them by your spirit in your prophets. Yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. God pleaded and pleaded and pleaded. By the way, Isaiah wrote about 750 BC before the northern tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrians and he was speaking to Judah and saying the Babylonians are coming even before Babylon was even a nation proper God was saying this nation's going to come and they're going to take you away unless you get your life in order so 150 years God had given them warning of what was coming that's a lot of patience. But one of the best examples of patience is illustrated for us in the life of Jesus. When he looked over Jerusalem and he said in Luke chapter 30, 13 verse 34. He said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing Jesus said in that same speech, he said, You have killed the prophets from Abel to Zechariah, the first godly man to the last mention in the Old Testament. And you killed them all. And I was patient with you. Now my patience has run out. And in AD 70, God made an end to that nation. That's why that temple there will not be rebuilt. And Christians shouldn't be praying that a temple in Jerusalem be rebuilt. Because it's an attack against Christ and the, his testimony and his life of sacrifice on the cross. But you see the patience of Jesus during that whole time. That intertestamental time too. Between the end of the Old, Old Testament when the Medo-Persian Empire had him under control. Uh, and then the Greeks came after. In between that time there was a horrible episode with Antiochus Epiphanes who came into the temple, took over it, killed pigs in the temple, desecrated it. And the people still, not, still did not repent. What a slaughter he made of the Jewish people. They did not change their way. God was still being patient with them. So when you read in uh, 
history of what happened in AD 70 when mothers ate their own children and blood flowed in the streets of Jerusalem. People starved to death. It was because God's patience was at an end. And that's the thing to remember. His patience does not go on forever. So let's apply this now. We see the doctrine of God's patience explained. We see it illustrated in history. The greatness and depth of God's patience in real life situations. How do we apply it? First of all, God is patient in your salvation and your sanctification. So you must love him like no other. And worship him alone. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says... Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It was a stinging rebuke of the, the Jews in Rome. Who knew God's grace? Who knew that it was to pull them to repentance? And he speaks very strongly against them. We understand it positively that if... We grab hold of God's patience. He will lead us to repentance and living godly lives. You know, God did more than your mother or your wife does for you. Even a patient mother has limits. And even a patient mother will one day die. She won't be there to have patience with you anymore. Not our Heavenly Father, no. That's why you love him. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. It leads to salvation. Now, when you think how often you have sinned against the Lord, and how he continues to forgive you, worship him. With increasing passion. Second. Not just love. But be patient with others. As your heavenly father is patient with you. Romans 15.5 says. And now may the God of patience. And comfort grant you to be. Like minded toward one another. According to Christ Jesus. Now a few years back. I was able to baptize a lady who was coming to church for 18 and a half years before she trusted in Jesus Christ. 18 and a half years. I tell you, I was having doubts about whether she will come to faith. And then the Lord still worked. Suppose we had given up and say, eh, it's not worth it. You can't be coming to church for 18 and a half years and then accept the gospel. Yes. She did. And what a joy it was. So be patient with your children. When they don't understand something you're explaining. Be patient in disciplining them. Be patient when they stumble. And they will stumble. Timely reminder. Us as we raise our children. Be patient with your spouse. Maybe he forgets something that you ask him to do. What you need to do then is take a look in the mirror and then look up to heaven and realize someone is patient with you too. I hope he doesn't forget your birthday. That's difficult to have patience with. But 
We're sinners. You're a sinner. And God has to be patient with you. And so that obligates you then to be patient with others. You see where it's rooted? Your salvation and in your sanctification. The biggest things in your life. And therefore, suppose he forgot to buy something that he should have. Or he bought the wrong thing. Think of yourself before him. Be patient with your pastor and your elders. We struggle with our own sins. And you never know what's behind it. I probably slept a few hours last night because I went to visit someone. They had a dog and I had allergies and I couldn't sleep well. Have a little patience with me today. Maybe the sermon's a little bit off. You never know. You never know what's behind it. The difficulties of the leadership of the church can be quite pulling. You have to consider that as children too. Your dad may be doing some hard work in the church, dealing with difficult issues. You learn to be patient with him. Be patient when you drive. Now you might see somebody driving like they're crazy in the road. You never know what's going on. The immediate response, what an idiot. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, that person may be rushing to something else. Maybe rushing to the hospital. You don't know the details that's behind there. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. And then he said, be patient with all. Be patient with all. Somebody owes you money, be patient with them. There might be some reason that they haven't been able to pay you back. Be patient with the one in the checkout line at the grocery store. You might think she's counting coins and you think, come on, you should have a credit card. You should have money you can pay with quickly. Well, that person's family may be going through a very difficult time. You learn to be patient with them. Or more, having patience is not a suggestion. And it's not an insignificant thing. It is a command from God. You know, some people like to say, well, you know who I am. You know I don't have any patience. Too bad. But you know something? You have a father who has bucket loads of patience. And he will give to you if you ask. You can't just argue that's the way I am. You know how I am. I don't have patience. Get some. Your father's rich. Don't act like a pauper. So you can get that patience to deal with it. To deal with the difficulties in your life. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Therefore as the elect of God, and look at the way he phrases it, as the elect of God, holy and beloved by God, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You do have the wealth. That wealth is patience. First Timothy 6.11 says, But you, O man of God, flee these things, that's the wickedness, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. These things you have to learn, practice. So if you don't have patience, ask God for some. He's your father. And he obligated himself to give you the things to do the work that he has called you to do. But let me also add this. 
real patience is not natural. Why? Remember at the beginning I said that people who are impatient are usually selfish. That's our natural state. Real patience is supernatural. So you have to go to God, the God of patience, to give it to you and then practice using it. Remember Galatians 5 verse 22. You probably memorized this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's supernatural. It, can, it comes from the supernatural God. And you know, even the young people must be patient. Kids, you will always have to remember this. Maybe you have to wait for dessert because you just scarf down your meal quickly. You learn patience that way. Or you, it's your birthday and you've got those presents and you want to see what's in there. Sometimes you have to wait. Or you can't wait to get to grandma's house. You don't need to ask your father, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You'll get there. That's the plan. Wait. The children need to learn that too. This is also a dangerous situation of young people today who want everything and they want it instantly. Watch what happens if the Wi-Fi goes down. Or watch how people panic if they send a text message and 30 seconds later they didn't get a response. It's like, what's going on? 30 seconds and no response. That's impatience. You need to learn and go to God for patience. Also, young people, you learn to wait. You wait until marriage for intimacy. Real intimacy must wait until marriage. Be patient until that time. But along with being patient is praying. Pray for those who are lost. Pray for those who are strained from the faith. They may have been gone a long time, but the Lord brings them back. You know, a few weeks ago, it's someone at the brink of excommunication who stood in front of the congregation and said, I sinned against God. I asked God to forgive me. That young lady was restored to the church. That's what we pray for. Sometimes it's quick to come to me, like to come down with the hammer right away. And, but patience worked. Prayer combined with patience brought repentance and sometimes you can get impatient with someone who's not growing as well you got the same children in the house you've got your children and some are doing well spiritually and some are sort of struggling it's very easy to say what's wrong with you maybe he's not elected don't give up God didn't give up with you remember some people come to faith much later in life and they can progress fast as well. So don't stop praying. And lastly, be patient with God and accept what comes from his hand. Good things or painful things. Because that's part of the patience. In Romans 2, the Bible says, verse 7, God will give eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He's not saying you're saved by works. He's saying you will confirm your salvation by your faithful or your patient continuance. And James 1.4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's conclude. God is patient with his children in their salvation and in their sanctification. And his children need his patience. They need it very much. God's patience then must be reflected in the lives of his children. Having received it, you show it. Doing this will bring honor to God, will bring glory to God, will bring rewards in heaven as well for you. So what can you leave here with, beloved brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? Think how often you fought God before you surrendered and accepted Christ as your Savior. That was God's patience with you. Think how you fight against God now as a Christian. Not wanting to accept what God has put across your path. Maybe there's somebody you thought would be a spouse and didn't turn out to be that way. Learn to be patient. Now think how God continues to forgive you even in your rebellious ways. He never lets go of you. And all of God's patience comes to you. And here's where the sermon comes home. Because of the work of Christ on the cross for sinners. If you try to have patience apart from God, apart from his word and the working of his spirit, you will have a fake patience. Maybe you'll have patience because you want to get something out of others. But the true Christian works, shows patience because he wants to see the world come together and glorify God. Not for what they can get. And then think how much the world needs patience. Think of the sin that's in our world. The wickedness. So many of our political leaders have no fear of God in their eyes. Many churches don't seem to care about the gospel anymore. They have the ritual. They have the, the, the look of a church. They need the gospel. And you need to be patient in preaching and praying for them. Think how much you need to show patience to your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your boss, your professors in school, your pastor, your elders. Think of the straying ones, the struggling ones. Think about family and friends. You know, this is the time of year you start thinking about presents what you'll buy for others. Try patience. It's free. It costs Jesus a lot, but it's free for you. You can show patience to them, and in a way you're giving them a gift that they desperately need. Don't give up on them because the Heavenly Father never gave up on you. And if you're not a Christian, be reminded that God will not be patient forever. The time will come then God will say enough. And it won't be rain as in Noah's days. It will be the fires of hell. I urge you to make your life right with God and you do so today. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've given us an opportunity to go back into your word and to learn about the patience you have with us. Lord, indeed, if you did not have patience with us, we would never be saved. We would reject that word when it was proclaimed to us. We would never be sanctified. We will be stagnant. But you and your love patiently 
work in us by your word and spirit, those around us. And now, Lord, teach us to be patient so that we can reflect you to the world and the world will be drawn to you. Help us never to get frustrated with those who are being sanctified or those who are yet in darkness, that we will not give up on them, but hold the gospel before us. Live a godly life. Be able to smile, understanding that their rejection is not a rejection of us, but a rejection of God and that you must work in their hearts and bring them into submission to Jesus Christ. Bless and keep us. And may your word continue to dwell richly in us so that we will remember your love for us and reflect that love to the world. In Jesus' name we pray.